welcome to the Delling Pod with me, James Temple. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I really am, actually. I've got all sorts of questions I'd like to ask this very interesting person. Um, it's His name is Ralph Masilamani. Um You're a kind of, you're a, a tech guru, aren't you, Ralph, among other things? Um, oh, for my sins, I am. I'm a sort of technology geek, so I am. Yeah. Um, and you're currently in Germany, which is why you've presumably grown the appropriate local moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Less said than that, to um, better. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. Um, and I, I, I came across you. I, I, I thought you'd be an interesting podcast guest when I listened to a very interesting podcast you did with my friends um, Simon and Sedan of C. And you were talking about something I found really fascinating, which I've heard sort of, I've heard rumours of it, um, the cathedral. And I've, I've been given, I sort of half understand it, and I've been given to tweeting out, burn the cathedral, because I think it's, uh, the, the cathedral is a, is, a, is a bad thing, right? It's, 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 it's not our friend. And I thought that maybe we could start by, actually, let's start by, talking about you and your background um i know that you spent time in california i know that you've worked with the kind of people who know dominic cummings um and i know you're good at technology because i'm really excited that for the first time on this on any of the podcasts i've done you're going to be sharing a screen with like <laughs> data on it and stuff if it works which is really exciting for me because i couldn't do that James um, Delingport enters the 21st century, <laughs> which is quite good. Yeah, well, you know, I I would so much rather be. Ha- I'll be honest with you, Ralph. I, I I would, I would rather be a landed gentleman. Well, you know, more than more than landed. I mean, you know, properly rich, um, in the country, in the 18th century, maybe late 18th, maybe early 19th century. I'd like to spend every day shooting or riding to hands or i don't know rogering milkmaids whatever whatever one did in those days <laughs> i don't really, i don't really like the modern world i particularly hate i particularly hate the technocratic age that we're about we're entering now i'm terrified of the great reset i'm really bloody depressed right now and you said before we started that you were going to cheer me up we were going to have a kind of into the valley of death type charge uh so i hope you are going to be true to your promise but just tell me who you are and, and about your background first. Yeah, so my name's Ralph. I'm a, a technologist by craft and trade. Uh, my dad's Indian, my mum's English. Uh, so I'm a product of empire. And um, I grew up in a few different countries, school in England and everything else, and a stint in India. And I have a deep interest in politics, particularly conservative, the conservative end of politics. And in the last four or five years after the debacle of Brexit, I decided to undertake a sort of audit of all the political forces in the right. So I followed the Tommy Robinson movement, the For Britain, the UKIPs. And the last year and a half, I created a character called Right Reaction that went deep into the alt-right and dissident right uh, to see what the advocacy from the actual real right, far right is, so that I could understand um, all aspects of the uh, political right. Moving forward, I believe we have a a uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a generational one, to stop the rot. I believe Britain is under existential threat 
everything, the heritage of these 5,000 islands is under threat. And I believe it's our duty to be able to uh, stop that rot. And towards that, I'm a co-founder of a technology startup that will be creating a first political digital platform. And I have an interest in a digital political party to uh, pressure the Conservative Party in the next election, which is around a thousand days away. That's me in a nutshell. So a thousand days doesn't seem like very long to be able to build up. A, I mean, can I say, I totally agree with you on the need to find a party which is going to represent what I would consider base standard, base conservative values, which the current, which, which the Conservative Party clearly isn't representing at all. I mean, we've we we voted, we voted Conservative, some of us, and we got a mixture. We we got Hitler almost. We got we we got that weird combination of uh, extreme environmentalism and 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 fascism, for want of a better word. I mean, I I know it's not exactly like fascism, but it is totalitarian. I'd say I, this, the the country seems to be controlled by a very small cabal. Parliament is not doing its job. Um, we've got these green regulations that, that I don't think any any natural conservative would want because they involve the despoliation of the countryside, the hamstringing of the economy with expensive energy as opposed to cheap fossil fuel energy. I mean, I could go on and on listening, uh, listing the reasons why Boris's conservative party is not remotely conservative. Uh, so I get that. But the problem, and I, I hope you're going to, help me get around this one isn't it as, as you say there are lots of different insurgent parties well alt-right i suppose was 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 the the blanket term you used what does what does alt-right even mean anyway because it seems to change all the time um, well alt-right too has just finished it's uh, it's in its death cycle right now now that biden has won so we plot the, uh, so you know i know you want to talk about things like the cathedral and the nrx movement so maybe yeah, a great yeah. place is to start sort of there and then understand how to look at politics like we do which is slightly different so we start with an interesting little story so how did we get here important key points in history is of course the enlightenment so the enlightenment gives yeah. us out of england you know, Locke and Co. gives us the idea that God is no longer supreme and the age of reason is brought in. And with that, we get the eight key products of the Enlightenment. We get individualism, we get liberty, we get capitalism, we get the Industrial Revolution, science and medicine. So we start with that punctuation and say what's happened since then is liberalism then fast forward the clock to 1945 and the Great Second World War. Liberalism defeats communism on the left and fascism on the right. But then something else happens. Uh, 50 to 60 years after that, the computing technology revolution connects the world up first by communications, then by information, then by money, then by goods, and finally by people. And the last 20, 30 years, Western Europe and the West has been at a tipping point where it suddenly had to um, have the results of global neoliberalism apply to it in such a way that its politics is now in a very strange shape. Conservatism is meant to be protecting the traditional liberal nation state, but right now globalism is so powerful, it's more powerful than capitalism, for example, that it's actually calling the shots. So if you're an English or British conservative 
and you, you wanted to conserve either liberal conservatism, I lock human, my, my rights, my laws, my free speech, etc., or traditional old school conservatism, my community, my people, my culture, we are at a war with this globalist system, which we define as the cathedral, and Boris Johnson is serving the cathedral. He's no longer serving the conservative party or the conservative electorate, let alone the people of Britain. So that's the kind of framework right, we I use. Get... Okay. Um, so there's a lot of areas that you've um, opened up there. And um, we need to focus a bit more, I think, don't we? Because, I mean, I get what the Enlightenment gave us, but I don't know where globalism came from as a concept or, or, or even what it is in, uh, on, on the spectrum from fascism to communism to whatever, where globalism fits in. But maybe, maybe we can start by talking about the cathedral. What is, what is the cathedral? So I think we can answer both of those questions, I think, almost concurrently, which may make sense, right? So let me try some little bit of magic. Let's see, James, if we can try this share screen stuff. Um, it may or may not work, but hey. I'm so excited. It, if it works, I'd be really impressed. People are just going to think, my technology has gone to a whole new level. It's into, into, uh, into the, into the uh, Delingport 2.0. So has that gone through by any chance? I'm not sure if that's working. I can, I can see a picture on my screen now saying the cathedral is the emergent system running the neoliberal global world. So if you look at traditional politics to explain those two things, you can see the history of politics in left versus right as being a revolutionary or progressive force on the left versus a reactionary conservative force on the right. So progress since the Enlightenment has been the expansion of this progress to the left, resisted by conservatives. But if I take a north-south divide, and if I just look at power against the people, be it a monarchy, an empire, a liberal democracy, there's also the people and the rulers versus the ruled. If you now plot your traditional ideologies, the ontologies of politics in your classical head, you see that liberalism is pro-rights, pro-laws, pro-values, the consequence of the English and French revolutions in a modern democracy. Conservative reactionary forces have always been pro-blood or people, pro-place. Uh, think of uh, people like um, uh, people writing about the nowheres versus the somewheres and pro-faith. And the left, the enemy we scream about on Twitter, have been revolutionary, anti-racism, anti-borders and anti-religion. This is your classic left liberal right divide. The cathedral sitting right over here has empowered globalism to now call the shots that is running all these three divisions. And how does that work? The best way to understand is to look at its pieces. And we'll do that very, very quickly and back to normality. The cathedral, what has actually done it. So let's start at the beginning. When you say left versus right, what does this mean is since we started society, we've had a problem of scaling culture. We started 10,000 years ago in small wandering families of tribes, extended families, and until we hit the 30-year war in Germany, everything was still a feudal, monarchistic, king and church hierarchy. After the 30-year war, we gave birth to the nation state in the Treaty of Westphalia. We said this ethnic people are sovereign in a land as codified by liberalism. Now what's happened is if you look at the globe in globalism, one globe, seven races, about 200 nations and 650 tribes, globalism 
has defined this engine of these four pieces that says, hey, this cathedral can take power by operating in concert these four pieces round and round and round to implement global neoliberal power. So we call the globalists, the party of Davos, the World Economic Forum, are organs of this globalist system, and it uses these four organs to take over democratic nations, liberalism, capitalism, to serve its purpose. What is its purpose? I'm going to give a simple example when we stop. It takes the education department and promotes an ideology, say critical race theory. It then feeds government policies, equal opportunity legislation, uh, protected class acts. It then goes to business feeds, HR policies, restrictions from government, and the media sends this round and round and round so that this cathedral thing sitting over here, just once more, we'll be done in a second. This cathedral thing sitting over here, right, we go on search apps, oopsies, right over here, is now running all three wings. It is in charge of the Conservative Party, it is in charge of the Liberals, and it's charged the left, because it is now more powerful economically, socially, culturally than any nation state. So if we call that thing globalism, the cathedral is its, its doctrine, its ideology, its modus operandi, and it is technical. So now we look at Britain post-Brexit, what did we do? We won Brexit. After lots of fighting and screaming, I was down the Supreme Court trolling Mr. Dimbleby, for example, during those events. And what happened is Boris has taken the keys away from the EU and given it to the globalists, eroding the idea of the nation state. So conservatives who traditionally sit here are liberal conservatives, think pro-free speech, pro-rights, pro-my ability to wander around the countryside in Oxfordshire, have a common enemy. And this enemy is we call the cathedral. Does that kind of make sense? That's our technical word for it, is it? That's, okay, so where did the phrase the cathedral come from? So the history of it is I did, uh, I went, I, I lived in the States for almost 10 years chasing my sort of uh, intellectual types of heroes, like maths, computer science types. And I ended up, landed up at Stanford in California. And that's where I met a chap called Curtis Yarvin, a very famous blogger by the name of Ventures Mobile. And we were looking at technology geeks at the time, 9-11 had just happened, going, this is incredible. This, the United States has been attacked. You know, we had, the, we had the neocon stage of American politics. What on earth is happening? And then we decided, a bunch of us, what if we applied computer modeling techniques to politics? What would it look like? And I was very lucky to have attended a series of lectures by a, a, a now passed away, incredible historian called Robert Conquest. And Robert Conquest noticed- oh, yeah. Yeah, so Robert Conquest noticed when he coined his three historical terms is that if I took uh, Boris Johnson 50 to 100 years ago, he'd suddenly look very left-wing. If I took Churchill 100 years back, he'd look left-wing. If I took a Whig 100 years back, he'd look left-wing. It looks like society is drifting, incrementally progressing left. And conservatives, when you look at these patterns using deep historic analysis, when we looked at them technically, they looked like computer patterns. It looked like there was some, something was coming, emerging out of this thing that was calling the shots. So we then started modeling socialism, Marxism, uh, 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 ANCAP, conservatism, and these patterns emerged. And we saw that this cathedral is operating a dogma. So because we saw its source code, if you like, is dogmatic, like the Catholic Church or the Nicene Creed, 
We thought, gosh, that's what the engine's beast is. And therefore, we should call it the cathedral because it's dogmatic. And what's its dogma? Equalitarianism. It wishes to equalize every nation, person, state, gender into a globally homogenized thing. We refer to that as global homo. And the cathedral is the dogma. It's the dogma of this thing, equalitarianism. And uh, am I right in thinking that that also is a product of the Enlightenment, that maybe the French Enlightenment, maybe people like Rousseau? Absolutely, because what happens is if you imagine, remember the picture we had before about how you scale societies? As soon as we created the nation state, uh, the 30 year follows a lock in Somerset and the English and French revolutions, we've codified rights, abstract rights, the right to life, the right to democracy, the right to property. As soon as we codify rights, we've created the first atom or molecule of this engine. It's extracted it from a person as it's written it in a constitution, it's written it in a, in a piece of paper, and that nation state is best epitomized by example, the United States Constitution. It says you're no longer a person, you're a citizen, and you're given these rights. Those rights when codified is what the cathedral used to start building up this dogma. And you can see it in things like the expansion of human rights, the expansion of charters. It's actually creating a dogma, if you like, that is no longer nationalistic or tribal or spatial. It wants England and Eritrea to be Area 17 and Area 14 in a globally homogenized world. It wants no difference between Namibia and Nebraska. That's its objective. Right. So, so we look, uh, people like me and you, I imagine, look back on the Enlightenment as the kind of the root of all of, 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 of much of what we value in Western civilization, um, you know, skepticism, empiricism, um, like that. And yet in the Enlightenment lie the roots of our disaster as well. Is that it? Is that it? It looks like a liberalism after World War II was still operating in a, a national collective that was uh, still not technically wired up. So England was virtually an ethnostate state uh, between 1945 and say Enoch Powell. Globalism yeah. decided to first connect the information, connect the telephone lines. Then you remember the 90s and noughties, collect the supply chain. As soon as it started moving people, as opposed to goods and products, you now have a problem because people are not television sets. So suddenly English liberalism was inviting a lot of people in by mass migration who were not liberals. Their culture weren't liberal, they weren't individually liberal, they were fundamentally conservative collectivists. Think Salman Rushdie, right? They were not, the people were, their culture was not liberal. They didn't believe in free speech, they didn't, and you can't blame them for it, that's not their culture. But globalism rushed the two together. So suddenly English liberalism had to argue the case for English liberal values with people who are not liberal. Their cultures are never liberal. They never had an enlightenment. Right. Does that kind of, that kind of make sense? So now liberalism, that was a fantastic gift to the world. The enlightenment, the English enlightenment changed the world forever. That gift has now come back via this new technical machine that is going to punish England for it. Right, because if I replace 50% of England with people who are good people but conservative and from illiberal cultures, I could not protect English liberal conservatism. 
because these people by definition aren't liberal. I could be a lip service wow. to magic soil theory that says that wonderful family from Somalia will never commit a crime and they're going to be lovely Somali uh, British people, first generation, but they're not liberal. Their culture isn't liberal. So as the more illiberal people you have, the lock-in paradox of tolerating the intolerant just accelerates. Now, the globalists know That's this. That's interesting. Yeah. So the globalists know this, the globalists like this, and the globalists' agenda, if you read the Great Reset literature, and we've been tracking everything from the, from the World Economic Forum, they like this idea. They want Eritrea to be England. And if you're an English... Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense to you, sir? Yes, it does. It does, Ralph. And it, it's sort of, I mean, this is such an enormous subject, but it, but it does describe certain things that many of us have been feeling in our gut, but not really been capable of articulating. I mean, that sense that a lot of people feel that they, they don't recognize their own country anymore. And it's not it's it, it, it's not simply that when you go on the London Underground now on the tube. Well, actually, it's a bad example because I'm talking about the age before before COVID when you still got crowded tube carriages. But you could often you could often find yourself the only sort of white English person in the tube. A lot, a lot of people were were from abroad. London's become a kind of melting pot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but more than that, it's not just about people's skin color. It is about this sense that. Uh, English traditional values are slowly being eroded. And if, as you say, there is this massive dominant geopolitical force, which is hell bent on on creating a world where Eritrea is England, is Brazil, is wherever, then you can see why countries are losing their national identity, because no matter how much on the local level you might try and preserve traditions by maybe getting funds to preserve your local Morris dancing troupe or whatever. <laughs> if you've got this this cathedral where you've got the media, politics, education and so on, all working in lockstep to wipe out regional differences, individual um, characteristics, then we're, we're fighting a losing battle. Is, is that a fair summary of your of the cathedral theory? If you wish to roll over, but I believe that would not be in the English spirit, and you started by saying you'd love to be a landed gentry, sort of like wandering around the fields with a shotgun, me, myself, I'd love to go back to the English Civil War and make sure the parliamentarians didn't win. But those things notwithstanding, it wouldn't be the spirit to allow them to beat uh, Britain. That's unacceptable to me as even a thought. So then the question becomes, right, if one is not to surrender blighty, What's the next step? Yes. And the next step must be to, as you've tweeted out, to crush the cathedral, to return the true sovereignty principle that says England should be ruled by the English in perpetuity as an axiom. Everything else is downstream. Yeah. That's the thing. Now, the Tory party have not done that. So one of the reasons I'm in Berlin is I persuaded my good friend of 10 years to uh, join and found uh, part of the founding team of the AFD, and they went from zero to 97 seats out of nowhere. He's currently the member of parliament for Berlin. So I've been looking at all the deep data for the AFD to see how did they come up and do to the CDU, the equivalent of the Conservative Party, by stealing 90 seats from the right. How did they do this? How did they manage to go in? We've had this 
Brexit sort of bubble that is now finished. There'd be five to six parties jockeying for the Conservative right. The Conservative right cannot count on the votes in four years. They only got it because of Brexit. So now the question is, what, what is the strategy for true conservatism? Either it's entryism, you're going to enter the Conservative Party and try to change their global agenda, or B, you're going to form a different party that's going to take the seats, or C, you're going to disrupt the entire table on both the left, middle and right by speaking to the oh. conservative spirit of the British people that says, with the largest mandate in history, is it very, very difficult for Ms. Patel to just close the border? The best navy in the world can't defend the English Channel is an insult to the history of the nation. It's, it's nothing short of an insult, right? Most ordinary British people will resonate with that idea, right? They resonate with the idea that something is wrong which surrendered something after the Brexit battle, and conservative English people know that the Tory party are not delivering that. I think that's my assessment. Yes, I, I, well, your assessment is, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, presumably, you've decided which of those, of those three routes is the best one. I mean, I'm presuming that entryism is out because we've, we've see, look, we look at the Conservative Party, we don't see any, any, I mean, there's about one, maybe two, three MPs who are currently um, standing up to what you might call the cathedral or globalism, whatever. Uh, here's the um, new react. Here's the NRX cathedral analysis of Parliament. I thought that question may come up. Okay. Here's the traditional left, uh, middle, right distribution of Parliament. Yeah. We have 364 Conservatives, 202 Labour. But if I look at them a different way and say which of them are really left wing which are true conservatives, you notice momentum is either 50 or 52 on the left over here, and the ERG, with about 70 strong support, and more recently after the infamous letter to Downing Street, the common sense grew up with 40. As near reactions, if you plot this against the cathedral and say which of these people are pro or anti-cathedral dogma, you see both momentum and the ERG and CSG form the minor group that are resistant to the rest of the people who are willing to surrender. So the real resistance line is anti-dogma versus pro-dogma. So momentum, MPs don't want to participate with the Great Reset, neither do the ERG or the CSG. That's interesting. So you mean, because um, I've noticed this, Ralph, that quite a lot of my, I, I've, I've had quite a, 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 a quite a change in my in my career and the kind of people who follow me and you know you know i mean all my conservative friends have pretty much rejected me that when you hear them talking about me they think i've gone mad um apparently matt ridley the other day said 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 this to somebody you know dullingpole he's gone completely mad which obviously saddens me in a way because I, I i i these are my these are my my old friends i mean this was these were these are my colleagues um my 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 they shared the foxhole with me and fought against the, what i thought was a common enemy but i now get lots and lots of fan letters from people who say you know i'm 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 a jeremy corbyn supporter i'm i'm momentum you know i'm i'm yeah. or i'm from the from the far left but i but i i love your stuff um and um 
So are they natural allies for us? So now that's interesting. Now that we've framed the distribution from your traditional distribution to this inner-outer dogma, that makes a lot of sense when you look at the following picture once more. If the left are anti-globalists because they want to get the 1%, they want to get their social justice, and the true conservatives, so everyone right of Rees-Mogg and everyone right of the uh, uh, ERG, actually wish to protect the borders and the nation and the people, then it's a question of like, it's populism that unites them over, over the left-right divide. And you can see that very quickly in the following stunning picture. If I look at the latest data of populism that spans the British left, middle and right, you see about 35% of the people from the left, center and right are populists in so much as they're anti-globalists. So I'm not surprised if a Corbyn supporter from here turns to you in the liberal conservative right saying, of course I agree with you because I agree with your sentiment of position that is pro-people and anti-power, pro-the governed, yes. anti-the-governing, pro for different reasons. So you can see now if you look um, at the st state of political parties in Europe, we're going to have two big elections before ours. The AFD are changing their ship, the Vox party are changing their ship, the Swedish Democrats are changing their ship to not focus on the left-right cultural war, but instead to focus on those that are the enemies of the conservatives or the socialists, which happen to be the same enemies. So you can see this remarkable tipping point in political history in Europe as this rising wave of populism crosses the left-right divide and it's, it's uniting on anti-1%, anti-free speech, anti-lockdown. It's not saying, hey, socialism versus capitalism. Right, that, that battle has run its course, if that makes sense. So the opportunity cost analysis to, to, to get the Conservative Party is to go after the same way they got the white traditional Labour working class vote in 2019, is to look at that vote and say, right, you got the Brexit at, in quotes Brexit from the Conservatives, but you really haven't had your needs met. Your needs are still being met by principles that the Conservative Party are betraying in the middle, and so is the Labour Party betraying in the middle. That's the opportunity window for us in a thousand days. That's where the data That's the exciting points. part. That's the, now that's, that's, the, exciting. that's the roadmap that says, okay, if we accept that as a trajectory, then what would the work be done? So part of my audit, which was a really deep audit to the right, uh, in terms of where their where their differences, let me show you a couple of quick pictures and let me stop sharing the screen. Here's the audit to the UK right. So I went right to the far right, into the wolf's lair, James, literally the wolf's lair, and I, I looked at all the data and I divided what differentiates the right. So right over here in power is the Labour and the Liberals and the Conservatives. The immediate right to them was formed by UKIP, Brexit and for Britain. There might be new entrants. Then there's the true nationalist right all the way to the Nazis on the right. What is the problem for English Conservatives? Is identity and demographic replacement is the thing that wins the game. If the globalists win the game, they're going to refuse identitarianism, however you define it for British people, and they're going to replace the nation by mass migration. On the other hand, the left have won the culture war. So there are five dimensions from Gramsci, anti-racism, sexism, anti-Islam, anti-homophobia, and uh, anti-Semitism is what's stopping the right entering. So in this fault line in between here is going to be the three
threat to the Conservative Party, just like the AFD in Germany, just like the Swedish Democrats took 60 seats, just like Le Pen is neck and neck with Macron in polls, is going to be where the Conservative Party is vulnerable to people who care about identity and replacement. And that's what the data shows. That's the war. Right. right? Does that kind of make sense? So even left-wing, left-wing working-class British people in the North still feel English. They may never have voted for the Conservative Party, but they don't like what's happening to schools and hospitals. They've never voted yes. Tory in their life, but they feel an English sense of their country being eroded. They feel like cancel culture. They have 15 languages in their schools. Do you see what I mean? The issue is now not a left-right clash. Does that kind of make sense? That's where Europe has been. It does. I'm, 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 I'm slightly lost on this, on this chart, though. Um, what, what, what are natcons? Oh, so national conservatives, so basically his, if identity is an ethnic issue. So if, let me make it very simple. If you accepted that um, a Diane Abbott was English is an identity statement. Mm. Now you may say Diane Abbott is British, uh, et cetera, et cetera, but at some point you're going to have to accept that she isn't English. But she's a first-class British citizen. We will we not be racist to her. We'll give her all the privileges of British citizen. But do you accept the fact that she's not English? If you don't accept this identity access, you cannot stop replacement. Remember what we said? If I replace a culture with a different culture, with different values, then the replacement just overruns the whole culture. So the identity line has been, uh, the right has been sitting, hovering over here, trying to deal with this identity replacement issue. This is the fault line. Now, the AFD, the Swedish Democrats, they've all won in Europe. We've not caught up with them. They're five years ahead of us because of Brexit. Brexit has, if you look at the data for all of Europe, they're five years ahead in this battle and they're in parliament. The AFD was founded in right. February 2012. They're all in parliament over here. Um, well, and what does PA stand for? So that's patriotic alternative. That's the biggest buzz. That's the alt-right Marcolette, for example, right? So if you look closest oh, to no, where PA... I've heard about this recently. It's, yeah. it's, it's a thing, isn't it? These are the these are the uh, these are the national socialists. Pierre, national socialists, pretending they're nationalists. Oh, okay. Uh, they they've made themselves. They're the, they're, they're the head of the alt right. You had one of their people on the other day. The chap Josh was walking around England. He's a PA. Yes, sister. I did. Yeah, yes, but their see, ideologies—they're the not the internal national socialists, <laughs> but they're pretending they're nationalists. But their message is winning. I'll tell you why. If you understand the table for a second, it's because their message. Look at all the greens here. Their message is correct about English identity replacement. Do you see what I mean? And that's where because they can talk about these things, whereas the Conservative Party cannot. This middle ground is where the AFT and all the European parties are five years ahead of us. 90 seats stolen from the German Conservative Party, 60 seats stolen right. from the Swedish Conservatives. So these are the forces from the right approaching the Conservative Party over here. Does that kind of make sense? This is the battleground from left to right. Well, this, you see, I'm, I, I'm amazed at how little one hears about this stuff. Is this because, the, I mean, I, I, I barely had heard of Patriotic Alternative until very recently. And I'm presuming... This is because the media doesn't 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 cover it. The, the mainstream media I, is so completely useless. If you bear with me, James, you see exactly why in a second, and you see the lessons learned from Europe that we should remember. We're going to have an into the valley of death, said Tennyson. We're going to have a little chart, yes. right, brigade. The problem these people face, PA and all of them, is they are actually racist, sexist, Islamophobic, 
homophobic and the mainstream oh, social right. oh absolutely so their mainstream oh, okay. society won't let them play so if i jump to the next slide and i instead plotted the same thing by using your real name james Paul, or simon in public and not hiding none of these people with answers can participate they will get fired from their jobs because they are right. explicitly racist they explicitly have concerns with a particular tribe from the middle east and they won't stop talking about blaming that tribe for everything in the world. So despite having the answers oh. to identity and replacement, they can't actually deliver political power because society is okay. not going to allow them to violate these five conditions. So that, with that landscape in mind, you can see, for example, that if you were standing for the general election 2025 with the party, you wanted to be in the street, not get fired, there's a gap over here that now the Brexit party, Farage resurrected UKIP, are trying to get to the conservative right. How many seats are vulnerable? If we extrapolate the European data, go backwards, discounted for first past the post, up to 60, 70 seats are vulnerable. Interesting. Right. And can this be done? Of course, the Europeans have already just done it. Now, James, you would agree with me, if the Europeans do it, then the Brits should do it better, right? <laughs> just, just well, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, <laughs> right. So okay, that's before our we move on, Ralph, yeah. before we move on, can I? So, I mean, you're half Indian. Yeah. Um, when you were doing your sort of deep dive into this world, did you find any resentment to you because of your skin color or anything Absolutely. like that? I mean, Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, absolute racism, sexism, all those five violations completely. But I um, went in with, uh, you know, public schools, like if you survive it to the, to the removes, you can get through anything with thick skin, right? So I had to write through with thick skin to see the mission through. But you can see that what's happening is quite an interesting pattern. And it's understandable. White people have been so beaten down that they get deracinated. Then what the alt-right does is it wakes them up by a process called red pilling, tells them, shit, this stuff's happening to you. Then immediately these young white males get very dissolution. They become ANCAPs or what's called black belt. Then they overshoot and become like hyper crazy racists. So they go through this kind of flow of pattern. And now I've analyzed them really well. You can see what's happening to them because they have no political home. So PA is acting, yes. acting, PA is acting like a beacon. But because PA can't ever get any power, a, a true conservative party would be their natural home where they could love England, love English tradition, don't want to see Thai food in my pub in Shropshire, for example, and not be called a racist for it, because I'd rather have some, right, I'd rather have cured ham. If I wanted Thai food, I'd go to Thailand. Right? Faggots. They'd rather have <laughs> faggots. Or even if you appeal to all classes, scampi fries, if you must. Right? But whatever it is, that thing doesn't have a political home, but the opportunity in the next two years is exactly what the Europeans capitalized on. Because the Conservative Party will not admit them. They won't admit their idea. Okay. Okay. So, um, before we move on, there's so many questions I want to ask you. Because the thing that's, thing that's really foxed me is why are so many red-pilled people um, anti-Semitic? Anti what's, what's that all about? 
Ah, so what happens is it's really, it, to, um, to do that, you've got, let me stop sharing my screen, James. Sorry. I'll get rid of all these silly okay. uh, charts and stuff. Yeah, to understand that, you've got to understand the actual white vaccination process. So if you look at the hierarchy of, 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 of white racial collectivization, at the top is these uh, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish national socialists. They believe the white tribe should form under a national socialistic Reich. And part of that ideology is you must blame the Jews for everything since Edward Longshanks. Now, what happens when young men who are just English nationalists, good conservative people, for them to fit into that community, they will be rejected by a social hom homophilic structure of value that says, if you don't agree with me that women should be beaten and put to the sink or the Jews run the banks in the world, then they're ostracized. So because they have no other place to go, they sacrifice this anti-Semitism to belong because the henchmen who run the little circles mandate the fact that uh, the plight of Western civilization started in the first temple and Jews run the bank. Despite all evidence having worked at Goldman Sachs to show you Goldman Sachs is not run by Jewish people, if you deny yeah. the idea, it's, like, it's just like the walk left, right? If you deny institutional racism, you're going to be rejected from the left. If you deny the fact that the Jews run the world, you're going to be kicked out to the right. Do you work at Goldman Sachs? I briefly did for my sins, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, come on, Goldman Sachs, I mean, I, Bannon worked for, Steve Bannon worked for Goldman Sachs as well. Um, but it is, it's evil, come on, it is the vampire squid. Yeah, it but is. it's not, I mean, I, no, I'm not it, saying it's unique. It, it's, hard, it's at the heart of the cathedral, but I, that's not my point. My point is it's not run by the Jews in some great conspiracy. No, no, no. <laughs> that's that's no, no. the point, yeah. I see. That, that, <laughs> well, I'm so glad I've got you here. It's a bit like, you know, I, I often say when, when I get an expert in a particular field, it's a bit like when you you bump into a, a doctor at, at, at a party and you, and you seize the opportunity to, to talk to him or her about your embarrassing, embarrassing problems. And in the same way, this, these questions have been with me for quite some time. And I've noticed that, um, for, oh, well, for example, my conversation with, um, what's his name again, um, the, ch the nice chap that I did the other Josh, day. Josh, um, Josh. Josh. I thought, absolutely fantastic guy. Um, yeah. Just proud to have him as a, as, a, as a fellow Brit. I can see that his heart is in the right place and, and he's the kind of person that we need if we're, if we're to make our country great again. Um, but clearly, from what I've heard about Patrick, Patrick Alternative, there are things that I would find disagreeable, anti-Semitism, the economic policies, which seem to be to be sort of. In fact, that was the area where I picked him up in the conversation. He said that he need we need an alternative to capitalism. And I said, well, hang on a second. What we're experiencing is not capitalism. And anyway, capitalism is a Marxist term. Uh -huh. What we need is free markets. We're not experiencing free markets. We're, we're experiencing crony capitalism. Now, if patriotic alternative are a sort of modeling an imaginary economic future on, on kind of their ignorance of what capitalism is, then uh, that's not a very good start, is it? Well, it's not even that, but you, you hit a really great point. So people like Josh and lots of good English uh, boys and girls too, who because they have no other home to go to have entered where they have to uh, let's just say, either suspend their disbelief, like the Jews run the world and this has been going on since Edward Longshanks in a long tail conspiracy, other absurdities, just to fit in because there's nowhere else to go, 
with the fact that is this a vehicle capable of expressing power? My thing, my belief is from having audited about 8,000 of their names for a year and a half, is that these are people in waiting for something that is credible. And here's why, the AFD had the same problem. In the first year of the AFD, they were penetrated by Nazis, old school national socialists in Germany, and they found very quickly the average German person slammed the door on their face. They said, no, I care yes. about the German people, but I'm not a racist, and why do you keep mentioning white? For example, I know I'm white, I'm German. Tell me about schools and hospitals. So while they agreed with identitarian patriotic traditionalism, they rejected sexism. So the AFD went through three cycles of just purging these people. This got rid of them. <laughs> they got rid of the idiots but, okay. who were not, who were not palatable a... to the marketplace of good, decent, conservative, traditional Germans who didn't want a, a, a guy to show up in the door and say, your woman should, uh, the, uh, her vote should be taken away and, uh, and feminism 1.0 has destroyed the West. And this average German person thinks, you're talking about my mother, my sister, my daughter. Thanks ever so much for your time. Bye-bye. Right? <laughs> right? Go away. Right? So, so that's what these PA people haven't learned, that despite having the correct message on English traditionalism and identitarianism, it's so corrupted by the racism, sexism, get the Jews, get the gays, that they're not palatable to ordering yes. decent people. So my next question for you yeah. is, is it possible... Because, I mean, I want as many people on my team as possible. You know, I actually were very happy having, you know, black people in the trench, you know, in the foxhole next to me. I've got no problem with that. I just I just I just want everyone to buy into English culture. I don't really care about people's religion or skin color or whatever. But is it possible to have a kind of identitarianism, which is not racist, not anti-Semitic, not... And that's exactly why I'm in Berlin, and I'm probably going to stay longer than I should do until I finish my data mining. But the AFD have mastered this, and they called it. So I sat with some AFD members of parliament in the cafeteria, and you know some of their English wasn't great, but translations uh, came through fine enough. They said the thinnest wedge of identitarianism and no more is what wins. You don't need to. You can make every policy pillar hospitals, schools, migration, waiting times, bus crowding, about the thinnest wedge of identitarianism. And they rejected racism, sexism, anti-Semitism, and purged it. Their second in command is a lesbian woman. And she, she speaks of German traditional nuclear families. So she's not homophilic, but she's not homophobic. And that's the winning solution. Do you see what I mean? That's the winning True to the identitarianism, just enough to transfer everything to vertical policy pillars and explicitly reject racist uh, people who speak about the Holocaust, just reject them because ordinary German conservatives don't like it. They find it distasteful, James. They find it a little tacky. Right? They don't want to take that part of their identity and make it about getting their Jews or something crazy like that. They just find it just tacky and rude. They just want to be English. They just want to shoot some pheasants. Yes. I just don't want to do this other stuff. That's, you know, that's so true. That, well, that is so, I, I would want to shoot some pheasant and some grass. Although I have to say, I think after this year, my, my invitations are going to dry up just because I'm considered now too bloody out there. But all I want is, is for us to get our old normal back, plus a bit, a, a bit, a bit of tradition, not sell out to the globalist bastards. Yeah, yeah you don't um, have to make Donald but, beside the golf club. <laughs> Super so, so um, 
I saw your chart. There's only about we're only about thirty what thirty one percent. Did you say? In terms of what populism? Uh, is about thirty percent by the last four, but it's rising rapidly. Okay. And remember, okay. most seats are won on a slender majority, with only sixty-five to seventy percent of the electorate uh, actually voting. So that translates in the maths to sufficient vulnerability. And all we have to do, if we if we're not sure we're theorising correctly, is just look over at Europe and plot the European data, and they did the same thing. Why not Britain? Duh, Brexit. Brexit has caused us five years of hell, waiting for something that was a mandate that should be delivered immediately. Right, so we're five years behind the European. Yes, that's, it. We're that's interesting. Um, and yet, I don't know. This is a this is a distraction from the main argument. But I've noticed one of the most disappointing facets of what happened in the last year or so this this authoritarian takeover by the kind of globalist elite um, is that a lot of the the worst people supporting this authoritarianism are people who voted Brexit. Yeah, they absolutely. Just gone, they haven't resisted. They haven't. The resistance has come from right of the ERG and the Conservatives and from Momentum and some left-wing MPs. But the yeah. people, when you poll the people directly, Ipsos, Mori, all the polls, the people are terribly peeved, James. So here's some key data. 55% of UK in the last poll believe the political system is broken. 78% of the electorate believe no party speaks for them. That's how much democratic discontent there is. It's tremendous okay. it's untapped. Tremendous untapped discontent. And the last year, the year the vaccine has going to made that, that. And the British people are waiting patiently to punish the politicians. Hence the opportunity. Hence the call to arms, James. It's like chop chop. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we, well, the call to arms, I'm, I'm, I, you, you have actually put a sort of almost smile on my face. Um, I wanted to ask you something which I've now forgot. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. I wanted to talk to you about um, the Brexit Party and, and, and UKIP, which it seems to me, I was... In the early days, I was involved with UKIP in various forms, mainly because I was attracted. I was the thing about UKIP was that it seemed to be like, well, I think Farage described it as like herding cats, in that you'd go along to a UKIP meeting, and there were some people like me who basically wanted a flat tax and wanted, um, you know, very limited government. They wanted this to become the Singapore of Europe. Um, and or the Hong Kong of Europe, uh, and uh, then there were those who who really wanted a kind of form of well socialism of of of, of with 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 uh, industrial policies and and um, mercantilism and you know trade barriers to in, in English goods for the English people and and other people had had a thing about fox hunting they wanted to ban it. And I thought, hang on a second, what do you actually stand for this party? And then, and then of course, you had the, the other complication, the Tommy Robinson factor. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm a fan of Tommy Robinson. I think he's a decent yeah. person. I don't, I don't think he's, he's evil far right. Yeah. I think he's a political prisoner. I think he's been, been traduced horribly by the system. Yeah. And yet, Nigel Farage pointedly threw him to the wolves and I'm not sure that was a, that was a, that was a fair thing. 
No, I don't believe it was, but they were also, I saw them in, in, in the act, in the play, as the death throes of the post-Brexit consequence. Three times the Conservatives were challenged from 2014. Will there be a referendum? Yes, there was. It was lost. Will it be delivered? So the Farage story, the UKIP story, with three kind of narratives in, in Macbeth, running fair as foul and foul as fair, right? With it through the fog came these three little creatures, the Tommy Robinson movement part of it. But it's all to be blunt over now. What matters now is the Brexit thing is behind. What matters is what do the British people want for the next election and the one after that. And all of their policies can be traced in the opportunity, something about mass migration. You can show each, and that's how the AFD won, that's how the Swedish Democrats won, that's how the Vox Party have gone and saying, look, you're changing society for whatever reason, economic, cultural values, because you just keep, the globalists keep throwing more people. They just keep they throwing do. more people, right? So even migrants, non-native, non-white migrants are against migration. 60% in London of non-white migrants are opposed to more migration. And the Conservative Party just, just keeps saying, just waving them in, like it's just some sort of some sort of grand entrance to Britain. Come on in, have a hotel, have a room, add some more, because the globalists are giving the Conservative Party motivations to do so, i.e. the cathedral is. So I think the opportunity is strong. And if you one had doubt, if one was like St. Thomas to press the flesh and wasn't sure, and once you alluded to being a skeptic earlier, all one has to do is look at Europe and go, well, they can do it. I find it terribly irksome that you wouldn't do it for Britain. Whatever doing it means, it can be done because they did it. It needs to be done, otherwise we're just screwed, for lack of a better word. There's nothing to conserve anymore. It's all going to be given away, right? So that's that's uh, that's where I look at it. A thousand days, James. It's interesting. <laughs> it, no, it is it is very interesting that um, when I write my when I write my um, articles for Breitbart, for example. I, I look at the comments below. I mean, it's quite painful actually because they're they're generally quite hostile to me for some reason. They they all seem to hate me. I wonder whether I wonder whether they are the crowd that you've described. What patriotic alternative? Because they they do seem very very obsessed with immigration. It's it, it they they love stories about immigration and Islam and and everything comes comes down to that. Um, and if this is what a lot of people are concerned about, I guess you're right. It's something we need to tap into. You see, you, you talk about the AFD. Um, I think a lot of English people, British people, have been so programmed by our media to think of when they hear AFD, they, they automatically think, you know, neo-Nazis. But the, tell me a bit about the AFD. What, what are they like? What are, what are their values? They literally occupy that thinnest wedge of identitarianism and they want a traditional conservative Germany. They're not neo-Nazis, they push them all, they, are they have 90 seats in Parliament. There's no Nazi party with any seats in Europe anywhere. So of course they're not Nazis, they're German traditional conservatives who weren't scared to take that populist, national populism message to the German people going, Merkel, look, Merkel wants to let in millions of doctors and engineers. Do you want that? And the German people are like, no, I don't. And the German centre-left said, look, they're racist. They don't want millions of doctors and engineers. And the market forces decided to reward the AFD. So my mate, who is the MP of Parliament, he's like the equivalent of the MP in, in the equivalent of Islington in Berlin. He's sort of one in Jeremy Corbyn's home hood. That's how much the people resonated with his message. So if you're a market forces person, you go, look, the market has rewarded the AFD. 
for just standing on the fact that they wish to protect German traditional conservatism and their messaging was nothing okay. like the city. Yeah. By the way, um, this is a, this is a, a sidetrack thing. Um, you look to me like a like a an image from a sort of nineteen seventies episode of Doctor Who when when <laughs> um, you look all you look all beyond pixelated. It's all weird. Am I am I coming across as clear? You are. You you get a, picture a little of bit of pixelation once in a while, but I think that's to do with your bandwidth. When you have a satellite, uh, the the time to deliver the packets is not constant. So you're going to constantly get this shaking image effect. That's a constant. Well, I, I'm really satellite. sorry, Ralph, that, that people, that's people are going to barely see what you look like, except in, in kind of intervals. Uh, thank goodness your content is so good that I think people will forgive it, but it's bloody annoying. I don't know. Maybe afterwards we can talk about how the hell I get my internet better, given that I live in the country and I've got, you know, uh, I mean, all the devices I can buy that make my... Is this the wrong time to tell you that I made sure that was happening so people can't see me, James? <laughs> Yeah, Sorry, what? I'm saying this is the wrong time no. to tell you. I messed with the software to make sure you can see me. Oh, I see. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, tell very, me after. Very, very yeah, cool. else. Um, so, okay. So, how do we go about persuading people in patriotic alternative to eschew anti-Semitism? Um, sort of socialist economics and um, whatever the other unattractive qualities they've got? Because, I mean, presumably they're quite wedded to those things now. I don't think we need to. So if you look at the data and the sizes for PA, they serve as a loud beacon of what is right, mm -hmm. surrounded by a moat of stuff that's unacceptable. But the iceberg principle holds true. 90% of people don't comment. They don't say anything. They just watch and listen. So Pierre has a valuable role to talk about the good things, and most of the good people who silently watch will move to a vehicle when they have a choice. Because they don't have an alternative vehicle, we just let Pierre scream about migration, demographic replacement, identitarianism, let them keep screaming, because they're doing a very important meta-political job in fighting the far-left narrative. So they keep fighting the far-left narrative until a vehicle exists. We're ordering English people go, I like all the great things you're saying, Josh or Pierre, but I really don't want to make any ovens or anything insane like that. Don't ever mention that to me. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? They don't want to. Right? So those people would naturally are good English people. They'll just, they'll just, they, I think they'll be okay. deep uh, so, so, <laughs> so That sounds good. Okay. Uh, so I'm optimistic about the, the gap in the market that you've described. That's good. But you're, are you saying we need a new party? Not I, a new name. I think a new party is necessary, if anything, just to make sure that those arguments are had correctly. If that new party results in the right people taking over the conservatives, for example, as a consequence, or the conservatives buckling, then the result is still the good result. If, on the other hand, if you look at the AFD, the Swedish Democrats, Vox, La Liga, uh, Salvini, they managed to take that idea into the market rewarding them. So I believe such a party would threaten the Conservatives on the right, either, you know, just like UKIP and Brexit did, either people will go to it if it's credible, viable and delivers on what they want, or it will make the Conservatives, uh, God forbid, possibly show some Conservative-like behaviour, which would be ever so nice. Right. I yeah, I can't see that happening because they are they have been hijacked by the globalists and I see no resistance from yes, even within yeah. the party. 
Um, if I was if I was blunt, James, my intention is for it to be a new party, a modern digital party, like one that's never been seen before, that learns from the AFT, learns from the Swedish Democrats, and makes a British version. That's my uh, routine. Is anyone? But is anyone? Is anyone? You, you, you're you're the you're the tech, you're just the tech guy, though. I mean, are uh, you have you got any? How are you going to make this happen? Or are you not? It's probably a longer separate conversation, but the skeleton for such a party has already been re registered just recently with the Electoral Commission. Right. And there's, okay. Yeah, so there's a whole technical plan and a very detailed plan for that. But that's probably a longer separate conversation if you'd like to ever have that. Right? Because yeah, the only well, way to beat people, the Conservatives people... is technology. You can't, we can't beat them any other way. The establishment's too strong. The, the win must be in well, technology. Yeah, in my view. It's... It's a bit like how Dominic Cummings was able to mastermind the Brexit thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he hired 25 to 30 very smart horns from the city with tremendous amount of big data analytical skills brought from financial markets, brought from massive data analysis to find where the voters are and what they want to hear. That was not done by but hand. Haven't the, Conservatives, haven't the Conservatives got these data analysis, analysts and quants and things as well. Uh, the brilliant news is that civil war finished by the globalists kicking out Mr. Um, Dominic Cummings and purging his little camp. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but I, you know what? I still, can't, I still can't work out, Ralph, whether he's a goodie or a baddie, because it seems to me that he is basically a technocrat, which, 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 as far as I'm concerned, makes him one of the bad guys. I think his heart and soul would be, uh, he would be happy with good governance uh, as opposed to a proper mince pie. I don't think he truly loves England as much as he loves a good England by some technocratic utilitarian metric. And that's just not good enough for a conservative, I'm afraid, is it? I still no, want to shoot. It's yeah. bloody not. <laughs> it's it's awful. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely bloody not. Um, but okay, so. I'll be interested to hear more, you know, talk to you more about your nascent party, if anything comes of it. But I, here's my fear that you've seen how quickly the world has collapsed in the last 12 months. The, the, the technocratic project, which is the project of the Trilateral Commission, which is the project of the of United Nations Agenda 2030, which is the project of the, um, the Great Reset for the World Economic uh Forum. Uh, it seems to me that we're not, will we even have another election after a certain point? It, it, the, the globalists have won. I uh, know the globalists believe they have won, but the globalists are terribly scared of, uh, of populism rising. And they're hoping to steer people through the economic uncertainty post-reset. Say six to nine months from now, 90% of the vaccination risks, et cetera, has gone away. They're going to try to paint the meta-narrative in the cathedral, hence build back better. They're going to say, build back better, follow us, we have the plan, this is it. So the resistance at the metapolitical starts by saying, build back better is the worst thing that could happen to Britain. And the answer is to build back Britain and not build back better, right? To actually compete with that globalist narrative, that must be populist. It can't just be conservative, liberal or socialist. The cathedral will beat any three of those things alone. It must unite the people. And it looks like the people, are, look, they're going to be terribly peeved two and a half years from now, James. They're going to want to punish people. In May, they're going to punish people in the local elections because British people love to punish people in elections. It's part of the English culture. Even if they don't get it, they're going to yeah. be punitive. They're going to be terribly, terribly peeved once we have 30% of world GDP adjusted in three years' time, having wiped off the table. But Amazon have got a lot of money. Mrs. Jones can't quite make ends meet, but Jeff Bezos seems to be just getting richer. 
right? So enough people are going to be feeling discontent or projections look like that. Okay. okay. Hence my optimism. Yeah, I can see this might that. be I might be Professor Pangloss. This might be Candide. I might be Voltaire running around going all for yes, the best you, of all. You are world. you are Professor. <laughs> you are Professor Pangloss, Pangloss I fear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, um, what else was I going to ask you? There's so many questions that I ought to be asking you. Um, okay, so you reckon you're optimistic that that the Great Reset is not going to destroy us all um, that quickly, and there's going to be there is room for a. Oh yes, I know what I was going to ask you. I've noticed something, and this this relates to. Tommy Robinson. I, don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not obsessed with him. I just think he's an interesting case. Uh, I followed some of his brushes with the English justice system. And what became clear to me was that my faith in, in um, English common law and the um, integrity of the British justice system was, was sorely misplaced. That that it was clear that the establishment was out to get Tommy Robinson and, and because they needed somebody on the so-called far right to make an example of it. And you see when you get people like um, the head of counterterrorism in the London, you know, one, uh, one of the, the black policemen, I think he is, or uh, maybe he's Neil Basu, um, oh, yeah. is, 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 const is constantly bashing, uh, banging on about, about, um, the far right, you know, the idea that somehow the threat from the far right is as, as great as it is from uh, fundamentalist Islam, which it clearly isn't. But I was wondering whether this is the globalist elite in cahoots with the media, in cahoots with the judiciary, positioning itself in advance to to brand any insurgent movement, even a kind of uh, a, a nice, not kind of um, far right party like you're talking about, to brand them as far right in order to crush them? Uh, it's a really well thing. I followed Tommy as uh, moving very close to myself in the flesh, so to speak, as well. And the reason for that is very specific, and that story is Islam. The globalist engine knows that on a per capita basis, Muslims in the UK with their projection growth rate are 42% underrepresented in the House of Commons. We're going to see 40 to 50 Muslim MP seats. Baroness Farsi is purging the conservative rank and file in an attempt to uh, avoid the formal definition of Islamophobia in, in the parliament. So what the globalists are doing is making sure all three parties are purging Islamophobes as they yield power to the incoming Muslims who are 40% underrepresented compared to every other group, compared to say Indians or Sikhs. The Labour Party and Conservative Party want those Muslim votes. They're chasing them. Tommy Robinson is a convenient bogeyman. Hey, he just is going after the Muslims. Look, going after the Muslims. So Michael, Michael Portello might be on his knee in Islamic wear in Eton and Slough, trying to seduce the Muslims for the new Conservative Party, while Tommy Robinson serves as a bogeyman, and they're like, look, Muslims, we are, we are, we are oh, serving. I see. Yeah, that's the that's game. That's interesting. So if you look at the MPs for Muslims, there are 19 Muslim MPs, and in the next five to eight years, by per capita, there should be 48 seats. Labour and Conservative okay. are on their knees, the Conservative Labour Party on their knees to seduce these Muslim voters. That's interesting. That's a, that's yeah. a separate issue. So, yeah. um, and, and, and presumably they're not going to be fr friends of our project. 
they're not going to be i mean there's something in islam that, that i can't where, where was i listening to this was it or on one of your your podcasts or somewhere else i forget but certainly one of the things i totally respect about islam is it hasn't bought into the globalist shit at all has it i mean it's just it it wants to keep its <sighs> traditional values it's never had the enlightenment it's the it's the biggest yeah. problem for the globalists because it's actually truly reactionary it never had an enlightenment it never yeah. separated a king god queen and country were never separated for islam so they're coming here this is just an expansionist but the globalists want to play the political parts of the cathedral and tommy robertson was a was a kind of like a, a character in the court like a jester almost and you're right james they abuse the power of the english liberal state they abuse the authorities to do things to him they wouldn't have, shouldn't have done to an ordinary english citizen but they did so for political so, reasons is there, hence, hence is there this, any way that the is there any way Islam can be our friend in, in, in this? Or is it, is it just another power, power base that's... Um... It depends on your time horizon. So if you look at the... If you go back to, you know, 1400 years of the gates of Vienna, or you project the next 1500 years, Islam in Europe is going to go to about 15% demographic strength. What is the ideal for English conservatives? Either all those Muslims vote conservative, or they vote Labour, or in a perfect world, they form Islamic parties that take away the Muslims from both the traditional left and right. There are 23 such parties in Europe now. And you say, okay, don't give your votes to the Labour or the Tories. Just go find a Muslim party where you have 10 to 20 MPs by yourself. You can't really do any harm to the majority. You can look after your self-interest, but we get the true conservative right not to cop to Islam because then the conservatives don't need to yield to Islam. Right now, the idea that Baroness Varsi is purging the English Conservative Party, it just beggars belief. To me, what's so conservative party? Can you imagine what was going through David Cameron's? Yeah, you know, he's got his alleged. He's got his first from P, in PPE, and this man is apparently so thick that he can't look at Baroness Varsi and and not not realise that a she's incredibly stupid, but b she's in service of a cause which is inimical to conservatism. Well, I can't speak Arabic, but if I were to learn two words in Arabic, I'd be looking for the words for sedition and heresy. I have no idea what the Conservative Party are thinking. It's a seditious act. But there you go. That's the yeah. state of the modern Conservative Party. Okay. So, um, so we're sort of not sure where, 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 whether Islam is going to be a help or a hindrance in this. It's a sort of, that's a... I, I, I personally, my personal view is I believe Islam is a tremendous reactionary force to ally with against the cathedral. I encourage Muslims to look after their own self-interest. I, I tell them to shake off this veil that you're British and care about British. Be as Muslim as you wish to be. And therefore, in your best interest, you should have an Islamic party, not these right-wing races or these left-wing social justice warriors. Be more Muslim. I support that because your enemy is the cathedral. It's coming for you too. Go tell the left there's no LGBTQ education schools. Go tell the conservative English people you don't want to be like them and just be more Muslim. And that takes the power away from our enemies, James. I don't want those votes going to Jeremy. Yeah, Trump. it's... I want to take the votes away from both of them. I want to encourage Muslims to be stronger Muslims. <laughs> Keep your identity, I say. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? It's just ta yeah. tactics, right? <laughs> well, it's interesting, Ralph. What, one, of, one of my... I've, I've had quite an quite a interesting political journey this last year or so. Uh, and one of them has been, you know, I, I used to buy into the traditional uh, idea of 
you know, the Islamic threat that 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 you know there were these evil fundamentalist Muslims hell bent on blowing us up and and machine gunning us and stuff. And now I'm beginning to realize that a lot of this sort of bad stuff that goes on in the Middle East is it, uh, are essentially proxy wars created by Goodness. the military industrial complex from the, the Americans, uh, for example, the, you know, the not Trump people, because I don't think Trump was against the wars, but pretty much every other president, certainly the Bushes, uh, certainly yeah. Biden, massively invested the, the in, in, in foreign wars. The root cause analysis is again is the cathedral is using the, at the global international stage is using the full power of the cathedral against any nation state or group that goes against it. It wishes to weaken Islam, so it drags in the West all sides in because it wishes to weaken this reactionary force that will not comply. Your average Baghdadi is not interested in Locke and Hume. He doesn't care for the Whigs and the English Revolution. He's going to tell his daughter what to do, right? He's going to pick yeah. who she marries. And the globalists can't have that because young Fatima must be made citizen 126.B, right? So, yeah. right? And Britain yeah, yeah. should keep its hands out of this. We should not be involved in any of this stuff. The troops should not be participating in any such thing. They should be defending the channel. People seem to be getting across in dinghies. That's what their job should be. Right? Deploy the Royal Navy up and down the channel, and that's it. <laughs> so... But anyway, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 interesting. Um, well, I think we've sort of we've dipped our toe in the water, haven't we, Ralph? We've had a we good. Had this has been a, it's been a great conversation, and you've 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 taught me lots, and I think people are going to be surprised and interesting by by a lot of the stuff because I don't think people have really, you know, I haven't read any. I haven't read any of the stuff you said in any. In our media at all, really? Uh, there's different stuff. Why is the that? Media, the media's narrative of the the NRX movement got into Downing Street by uh, um, Dominic Cummings and got in via Trump and a few people, Peter Thiel, into the White House. But the uh, yeah. media, the liberal media, don't like the NRX because they don't what, like what the What does future. NRX stand for, by the way? Uh, so we, 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 we consider ourselves like geeks who are neo-reactionaries. So we are true reactionaries. We're true conservatives. We frown on the Enlightenment, James, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> we Is frown it, on the Enlightenment. So, so, uh, so we're terribly, terribly uh, uh, anti, anti, sort of liberal, if you like. Right? So I don't consider well, myself... So who, who are your... Who, who, who are your... Well, what am I? I, I, I? Now I'm questioning my politics. Who, who are your heroes? Uh, Emmanuel Kant... For example, right? So people, you know, critique of your reason. People actually understood when you separate God, Queen, and country, you'll eventually lose all. So if you look at the intellectual heritage from the, from, you know, the counter-revolutionaries running at the same time as Locke and Hume, walking all the way to Nietzsche, walking. Hang on a second, Mr. European. If you leave God, Queen, and country, the union that made the European people great and amazing, you're going to give the whole bloody thing away. So... From Immanuel Kant all the way, the counter-reactionaries have been challenging this idea that freedom is so, your sacrosanct so, principle, that liberty is the be-all and end-all, that you're born free. We, we reject these things as being just liberal forms of power. We believe such things are not true conservatism. True conservatism puts England okay. above an English, puts England before an Englishman, for example. An Englishman's liberty. Okay, so are there any, who are the English philosophers that rec represent your position? 
And the recent, most recent ones being technical would be people like Nick Land, for example. These are very technical analysis now at this point. People are looking at the future of these, uh, of, of protecting what's left of this human biodiversity. So it gets quite esoteric and stuff. In terms of modern traditionalism, of course, Evola, Evola backwards would be quite useful, right? So Schopenhauer, Evola backwards would be, would be good conservatives. Like Schopenhauer is a good conservative, right? So Heidegger was a great conservative. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you still have, I haven't read really, I haven't read really any any of these people. What, but what about something like George Orwell? I mean, he sort of uh, outlined Englishness, didn't he? So he more was, recently, um, so more recently, yeah, more recently, Roger Scott and for example, people understand, you know, that there's still something deep, deep to hold on to, right? There's something deep that is English only because it's quintessentially English because it's a long tail end of English tradition, and therefore it can't be removed yeah. from its historicity. You didn't get that particular type of cheese. You only got that cheese because it was made for 500 years by these people in Wiltshire, who understand that the beauty of that thing is by itself much more important than freedom and liberty, right? For example, it's, that's, yeah. it's, it's a true traditionalist. In the same time. <laughs> okay, uh, Ralph, it, it, it's, it, I, 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 I don't know how, it's gone over my head, but, that, but, that's, but that's good. I mean, if you, if, if, if you went to, um, Stanford. I mean, you must be quite clever. Um, and um, yeah, you can tell me when we've, I've turned this off how I can improve my. Um, because I don't, I, don't, I don't think people want to watch that. Bit. Yeah, how you can make my my internet less shit. Um, anyway, um, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. And please remember um, to support me on patreon or subscribe star I've, I've got a fantastic community i call it cafe Dellingpole, and people are really helping me out and, and, and you'll notice I've, I've done i'm i do my productivity has increased quite dramatically not just because of lockdown but because i find this really interesting and yeah see that thumb yeah and um you know it's gonna i i think it, it could turn into something big and good and, and you and also you know, I'm so much. I, okay, my maybe my my technical stuff isn't as good, but I'm so much better than the much bigger names. I ask more interesting questions. I get more interesting guests. I'm not. I I, I don't kind of censor myself. So if you believe in that stuff and you and you want to fight the great reset, which I'm about the only person in Britain doing right now, um, please support me. Thanks, and thank thank you, Ralph. That was just it's great. been a pleasure, James. Thanks ever so much for having me. Okay. Yeah.